If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 422 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by my good pal over in Canada, Ian O'Neill Graham is off this week, so he'll be back uh, hopefully next week. But uh, Ian joins me today for a look at a busy enough week in the world of mixed martial arts. There was a bit of controversy around the place, so uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um... Well, when I say controversy, a little bit, of, a little bit of controversy. Someone named, especially in the UFC, made him into the judging controversy that we like, and it wasn't controversy. It was like, oh, we can have a discussion about this, and no one's going to go too mad, which is my type of judging discussion. So we'll get into that. We'll get into loads of other things. You know, we're going to talk about Samus. Same as every week, but look, we do it better than everyone else. No bullshit. Well, it's maybe some bullshit, but. We'll get into all of that. But before we do, we must have a word from our sponsors. And if you haven't heard already, it's Smooth Sack Summer. And when you're playing in the summer sun, as I was today, make sure you're escaped from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer of keeping your balls cool while still looking hot with man skip the leaders and blow the waist grooming making sure we have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh dive headfirst into smooth sack smooth sack summer smooth sack summer smooth sack summer easy for me to say by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with our code severe mma and you know this performance package 4.0 it's kept me going for the last Oh, the last while. It's absolutely brilliant. I got I got more of the liquid formulations there uh, recently. And honestly, I got like, those liquid formulations last. So it's a good while since I actually got the first pair and they ran out. Very good. But they're part of the performance package 4.0. Uh, it's brilliant. It has everything you need for your, your grooming needs. The lawnmower 4.0, I suppose, is the, the headlining act in all of that with the advanced concept technology. Uh, the 7,000 RPM motor, uh, multifunction on and off switch, which it can engage travel lock, and it gives you the ability to turn on a 4,000K LED spotlight as well who need the more precise shave it's waterproof so you can have it at the lake or the shower wherever you uh want to have it for your uh your scaping um and those liquid formulations that i was mentioning as well they'll keep you fresh during the barbecues as i was today at a lovely barbecue and it was it was brilliant a crop preserver to use straight away after you come out the shower get a bit dry put on the crop preserver brilliant crop reviver a little bit of a spray during the day 
if you needed it. With that performance package 4.0, you can also get um, the two free gifts, which are the boxers and the shed travel bag. And now, if that's not enough, and you need the the little uh, the little scaping of the of the toenails, would that be would that be scaping? I suppose it would. Um, the shears 2.0. Now, I've never had. And this is this is a Sean Sheen guarantee. I've never had a shear, a shears. What would it be called? A nail clippers, as um, as sharp as these. They're absolutely brilliant. They are the best ones I've ever had. And I wouldn't if I if I didn't believe that, I'd just say, oh, they're great. They're they're literally the best ones I've ever had. They're absolutely brilliant. Also on that is um, tweezers, grooming scissors as well. Absolutely brilliant. So get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Severe MMA at Manscaped.com. It's twenty percent off. And free shipping using our code SevereMMAManscape.com at SmoothSack. Some of boys, get on board or get left behind. And, you know, first impressions matter. And there's no two ways around that. We all know that. And what's the first thing that someone notices about you? Of course, it's your face. And more importantly, your skin. If you haven't already, it's time to put your best face forward. How do you do that? By adding skincare to your routine. And you know what? It's not hard. You just don't have the right tools. Until now. I've always wanted to say that. I'd love to be like a, a voiceover for um, films. Like this summer, Kildare Lab brings you our <coughs> clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines. I cannot talk like that. I have another hour to talk here. Anyway, uh, use our code severemedcalderalab.com to get 20% off their best products. Um... Calair Lab are, are absolutely brilliant. Really high performance mints uh, uh, skincare. The regimen is what you need to get. It's, uh, you know, it just has everything. It has everything. Clean slate, the base layer, the good treatings, and these are what you need. The clean slate starts your day, freshens it up, gives you a clean slate. The base layer, your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin. And the good is before you go to bed at night, clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother. It's absolutely brilliant. But if you're like me and you have no clue what to do, well, you just, you get that and you use it the way it's, it's literally written on the, uh, it's written on the package that you get, how to use it. It's absolutely brilliant. Your eyes, if they're an issue, eye serum called the Icon. It helps uh, address the three most common skin concerns around the eyes, which are fine lines, dark circles, and puffy, uh, puffiness. Pu- I nearly said Puffy Lab. Puffylab.com, a puffiness. Calera, that's probably something else. Calera Lab is <laughs> made with top tier ingredients and is a great addition to your daily routine. Takes less than a, uh, a minute in the morning at night. And uh, oh, that's that's not true. It takes more than a minute. But sure, well, and, and, oh, actually, the morning ones maybe not, but the night ones definitely do. But sure, you're relaxing going to bed anyway. Sure, that's great. They help. I sh- probably shouldn't be calling them out there. <laughs> What you're looking there is usually wrinkles fine lines and signs of aging so get 20% off with our code severe mma at calderalab.com that's 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code severe mma jump into skin and first impression royalty with calderalab right in let's get uh get right into it and i suppose the, look, we're going to start with uh the pfl debacle i suppose uh, we would call it because we were talking about that just before we uh, we came on. Obviously, here recording fresh from the UFC, so we'll, we'll give that a little bit of a time to percolate, and we'll talk about this. Um, if people haven't uh, heard about this, so the PFL six was on last night. We, we'll talk about the card in, in full in a minute. Um, 
but there was a standout fight in the middle of it and a standout for the wrong reasons and it was uh, the former champion Than Schultz against his teammate Hausch Manfio and um, for some reason it kind of went over my head that there were teammates you know I did the preview and I was like I previewed the fight and everything and then like everyone was kind of saying it even more so Manfio is the godfather of Schultz's daughter as well God so this all right so so we'll just tell you the story what happened first these two lads fought and they basically had a sparring match um and uh nathan schultz won the unanimous decision all well and good he qualified for the next um round of the tournament the playoffs he got into the, the final four shane burgos did not after a pretty lackluster well a, a good decision win but a lackluster performance considering he needed to finish and that was all fine well and good we woke up this morning and there was uh, articles going around saying that PFL um, did not allow this result to happen. So I'll, I'll just read out exactly what the PFL statement said. Last night, Nachan Schultz and Hausman Feo did not meet the standards which all PFL fighters agreed to uphold in competition. All fighters in their PFL fight agreements agree to use their best efforts, skills and abilities as a professional athlete to com- uh, compete and defeat any opponent. It was very clear that Nathan and Hausch did not meet uh, the contractual standards in yesterday's bout. PFL immediately suspended both fighters from the season and deemed the fight to have zero points for the purposes of league standings. PFL takes the action in recognition of its responsibility of all fighters and all PFL fans. Now... So so basically what happened there is they took the points off of Schulte, he fell out of the final four, and Shane Burgos, who was our big money star, got in there. Now, listen, the way I just said that even, it just sounds a little bit too convenient, doesn't it? There are so many strings to this, right? And uh, let's get into them. So the first string to it is... The actual matchmaking itself, like myself and Ian, we, we do a show, a show over on a Patreon called The Chasing Pack, and we talked about the PFL matchmaking many times. In that, like, usually it's pretty good, right? But then you have just weird ones, like weird fights that make no sense. Like, they put Burgos and OAM together in the first round and all. Okay, it's a good fight, but it doesn't make sense. But this one especially, like, as Ian just said, like, the, the best friends, godfather and all of this lark, First things first, should they have even made this fight? Because, like, if they want people to uphold the standards they have, should they not uphold those standards themselves? And you've eight lads there instead of making fighter A versus fighter B. Why don't you make fighter A versus fighter fucking G or whatever it might be and avoid this? It's a crazy decision, and I'm glad you mentioned the matchmaking because all the matchmaking, like other organizations is done behind closed doors. We don't know what the kind of thought process is or the procedure for matching these fights. Should it be all laid out for everybody to see ahead of the tournament? If you're looking to try and do a a fair tournament, I probably suggest that would be the way to do it, or at least have somewhat of an open draw within uh, the tournament bracket as it's happening as well. But look, that doesn't happen. We were dealt with this as well. Dealt with two guys who are basically family that were um, in there competing in the lightweight division. And I mean, what they said based off what happened in the fight was pretty true. They didn't meet, they probably didn't fight to 100% of their capabilities, but you're leaving yourself open to this mess 
by even putting the fight on. Now, people might argue and say, well, look, at if they go in and they win all of their fights, they might end up winning or going through to the playoffs and ending up having to fight eventually. Well, then there's more kind of jeopardy in that fight and there's a lot more meaning. To have them fight in what would appear to be a nothing um kind of a regular season fight, but with the implementations that Schulte with the win would go through, you know, you're leaving yourself wide open for these. It opens up a big, big can of worms. And I mean, damage limitations is how I would describe that statement and that reaction based off the fight. I do agree with the PFL that both Schulte and, and, and Manfio didn't kind of perform to the best of their abilities, but by forcing them into this kind of a fight, you're leaving yourself very open for this kind of an outcome. And then what reasoning, what reasoning are we by, by, by putting Shane Burgos in there? It's very convenient addition to the playoffs. Was there not maybe somebody who was standing in the outside? You know, we saw someone like Delaneo Taylor, who was also fighting on the card. He got brought in as a kind of a wild card. You know, it was, was somebody else left in the dust. Like this, the outcome of this seems very, very, convenient for PFL that they now have Shane Burgess in the playoff spot with a chance to win a million and another thing that I'm quite upset about is that they've taken the chance of Schulte going in there and winning the million as well so you know this is a very very serious accusations and I'm sure that there'll be a lot more to come from it but it's not a good look the overall handling of this situation is not a good look for the PFL we have to look at it from all kind of angles and overall, it just it just stinks. It really just stinks. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. Like, I think the biggest part, and I agree with all the points you made there, right? The biggest thing I have with it is, like, the regulatory side of it. That, like, <laughs> now, what, like, what, what, what are the, like, Sherlock, and I, I'd be interested, I might actually ask the lad, like, are they going to just call this the fight like this? Or is it going to be investigated into? Is it going to, like, I know the commission have come out and said something after this, or maybe at the same time as the PFL have kind of released their own statement aside from the commission statement, said they're going to look at it. Like, I just think it's all a bit weird. Like, it's, like, there's no doubt about it. Them two lads went out there to kind of spar each other and they didn't have a, a proper fight. Like, they didn't have a proper fight. But, like, <laughs> should that fight just be written off? Like, should it be a no contest? And have have BFL done the right thing? Like, I would say no, right? Because fighters have a choice to go in and do, what, like... To, to fight the way they want to do. The problem with this is that they both agreed to fight that way. Like, I, I don't know. That's that's a, something that's going to have to be like... Uh, I, I, like really, look, really what should be here is an investigation should be done into this. Now, the problem with that is, right, PFL have done no investigation into this, and maybe they have done like a small investigation, but they have not done, not done no long investigation. They've just taken the decision made it, and judge, jury, and executioner, and have moved on. Like, I think they deserve massive criticism for that. Even if it turns out in the end, right, it might be the right decision. Well, it's the right decision made just off the cuff with nothing. And, like, that decision, like, massively benefits them. So I, I just, I don't like it. It's all a bit grim, isn't it? It's all a bit like, oh, this is... And I think Ian Dean put it out. He said, like, if if a, a, a different major organization had done this, everyone would be criticizing him. Imagine if the UFC did this. Imagine if the UFC, like, we're not going to count that fight. Now, to be fair, the UFC have done that in terms of 
their future matchmaking. They're like, oh, well, we're just going to... Was it the, the, the Aldo and Marais fight? They're like, oh, we're just going to ignore that. We're going to act like Aldo won. So they kind of have done it. But the way the PFL also... And this is two points in here. The way the PFL is organized, they literally have a meritocracy so that if you win and win your way into the, the semifinals, you get there no matter who you are. Unless you're Nathan Schultz, because now that meritocracy <laughs> is just gone out the window. But all the, and the other point you made about Burgos being brought in there, I saw Danny Rubenstein talking about this point you made as well. In the past, the rule, or the maybe not necessarily the rule, but what had been done was that a wild card, as you mentioned, was brought in. But now they decide to bring in Burgos. Now may, they might argue, well, this was taken during this fight while the regular season was still on. The, the points were taken away from the regular season, so it, they didn't even get the three points. Burgos had more points. He finished fourth, so he gets through. They can argue it that way, and I, like, I can see that, absolutely, but you said the phrase, it stinks, and it to me, it definitely... I, I, like, I don't like this at all. I'm not saying, like, they're, like, you know, PFL are, are doing anything, like, completely nefarious, but they're actually... What they are doing is just acting in a a manner they shouldn't be acting in the promoter should let the fight happen and go as it as it may after that like so yeah i i i wouldn't be fan this anyway we'll move on um while we're on pfl six though anything stand out like there were a few good performances uh, on it i thought bruno miranda was good in his split decision win over alex martinez um magomedo Malatov always looks absolutely fantastic uh clay collard uh looked very good against stevie ray it was an interesting first round but collard definitely got the better of it and then finished stevie ray in the uh, in the end magomed magomed karimov again destroyed david zavada uh burgess got the win but meh Serbusi has gone to the next level i just think he is you know, he's fantastic now. He's really is fantastic. He's putting it all together. And in Oba Mercy, I put out a fantastic performance as well against Anthony Romero, who I think is actually a very good fighter, just massively oversized. He's never fought as a featherweight before, as far as I can see. But God almighty, did he look like a featherweight in there against uh, a real lightweight in uh, in Oban Mercy. Well, I know you watched the card as well, Ian, and, and caught some of it afterwards. It was... Uh, it wasn't a bad card, but we were talking a bit off air last night as well. And PFL, it just feels like the PFL are having a bad season this year. With all the drug test failures, well, one of which we'll get into here in a minute. But it's it's hasn't been a we've the two of us probably love the PFL season more than anyone else. We've talked about it many times. Yeah. It hasn't been great this year. It hasn't. No, I've been watching the PFL since um, it first started back in, in 2018 and I've been a big fan of it. I like the tournament format. I like the kind of structure that they've worked and it, and it's worked right up until now and yeah, they're probably having their worst year since their formation. Um, you know, with obviously the drug test failures, this incident as well and a lot of their stars that are not making the playoffs as well. Obviously, they can construct it and, and add some of them in uh, when they're kind of making up the rules as they go along but last night's card were good performance from Carlos Leal, who beat Delanio Taylor, who was a finalist in the welterweight division last year. I was really impressed with Clay Collard, especially his finishing sequence, just really crisp hands. Obviously, you'd expect that from a guy like Clay Collard. And, you know, sad to see Stevie Ray go out like that. But, you know, when Clay Collard is on and he's fighting like, like to those capabilities, he's a real difficult test. 
Um, and it'll be interesting to see um, how Burgos handles him in the semi-finals. I guess that's the one bonus of everything that happened in that mess of the, the switch of the fights is that we do get to see now Clay Collard versus Shane Burgos fight. Uh, Sadabu Sai, I mean, really found himself as a fighter. Like you said, uh, we kind of talked about it, how is that, you know, a couple of tentative performances, but now he's actually a really exciting fighter to watch. And, you know, he's come out of his shell and he's producing some fantastic knockouts he did in his last fight and then produced the spin and wheel kick against Shane Mitchell last night as well. And a guy who's really found himself over the last couple of years. And, you know, we talked about Brendan Lochnane and, you know, the confidence that he found, it's that extra 30% when you do uh, become a champion and that belief in yourself and it seems that Sadabu Sai has that belief in himself um, and it's kind of gotten the tentativity out of his game he's not as tentative with his strikes anymore he wants to open up a little bit more and I thought that was a very good performance and an excellent finish that we could be talking about as as, as a knockout of the year and the same with OIM the Canadian gangster I mean it was Canada versus Canada crime here in the main event unfortunately for all the Canadian viewers watching along there's few and far between fighters to cheer on here. And we had two guys at the very top of this card who were uh, representing Canada that one had to lose, unfortunately. And on the night, it was Anthony Romero. And, you know, I want to give credit to OAM, Aubin, Aubin Mercier, for, for also coming out of his shell in recent fights as well. You know, me and you have been talked, talking during his fights in the past and, halfway through round one you knew at times that this guy was going to win a decision you know that's the way the kind of structure of the fight was going but you know he's kind of dusted off that kind of uh, mentality and he's gone out there and he's starting to throw a few kill shots out there and it's it, it's great to see and you know when, and maybe that's him having a little bit more belief in himself as well um, given the fact that he, you know, he's doing really really well in the PFL and probably being is, is the front runner of Canadian mixed martial arts at the minute to be honest you know um and he picked up a lovely knee uh, a great knockout against anthony romero and he sealed his spot in the semi-finals as well so look at the, the good performances there like you said magomed 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 karamov so good they named him twice he um he had a lovely finish as well so look at we had uh we had a couple of sparring sessions. We had a couple of decisions. Uh, we had a couple of good knockouts. So, I mean, the card delivered uh, last night. I mean, it was pretty good. Uh, just to talk a little bit about Burgos, I think it was disappointing. It's not really happened for him at the PFL yet. And they're, you know, they're willing it maybe into existence by putting him into the semifinals and matching him with a, a stylistic matchup like Clay Collard. But a guy who had to go out there and fight and win by first round stoppage, didn't really produce the goods last night, chose to take the fight down and fight rather safely and just secure the win more so than secure the finish. And maybe that was just important for him in his career where he didn't want to go out there and take any chances and maybe go uh, and add another loss onto his record, which would have been detrimental. He went out there, he got the win and look at hindsight is a great thing. It's after working out well for him in the end. He's now in the semifinals. He now has a crack at the million. But uh, this season... Not that great for PFL, uh, you know. But you're going to have that, and and they've done quite well up until now. But they'll be they'll be hoping for a big year again next year. And look, at this year isn't even over yet. You know, there's plenty of time to redeem some of the wrongs of this season, some of the mishaps of this season. And you know, we're going to have a big 2024. We know that with Francis and Gano coming to compete over there in that organization as well. Yeah, it's it's really massive, and I think as well the fact that Ante Delia didn't qualify. 
in the heavyweights. Like he would have been the best matchup for Francis. I think that's a big issue for him as well. But look, we will uh, we will talk about that maybe in the chasing back uh, in the next uh, in the next week or two. While we're on um, uh, PFL though, let's talk about Will Flory because uh, his. Uh, second hearing, or his well, his his final hearing, I suppose, in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, uh, happened this week. He was banned for nine months. Um, he he uh, tested positive for the anabolic steroid drostanolone, um, and he received. A, I have the fee here. Doesn't run to me two seconds. Um, it's January first. The the fine is up uh, up until received the fine of two thousand two hundred fifty dollars to uh, three hundred twenty six uh, in fees, uh, administrative fees, and four hundred ninety five dollars in uh, in testing fees. So. Obviously, we spoke about this a few weeks ago when the news came out and we talked about, you know, everyone getting their, their day in court and everything like that. And, uh, you know, he's had that and it's it's been uh, it's been all, I suppose, sorted now and we, we know what we have. So the reason we're mainly speaking about this now, there's many others obviously failed as well. Look, Will Flory is an Irish fighter and the first ever, I believe, Irish fighter to, to fail a test. And... You know, that's obviously going to be a big talk on my Because myself and Graham, when this broke, we, we talked about, I suppose, both sides. Well, mainly one side of it, I suppose, in that, like, I think a lot of people's opinions have changed on drug testing and all of that over the last while and the way it's been done and the way fighters have been treated. But a lot of people haven't, right? And we saw, I, I don't know, it's actually in reply to one of your tweets the other day, and Paul Hughes is like, drug cheese should be banned for life, and I saw, like, other people were liking it and stuff, and you've seen, like, the likes of Tony Bellew and other people saying that as well, and, and all of this, so the point I'm making is, that's something that's going to be there for the rest of your career. Like, we, we see when Cowboy Cerrone comes up and Graham's talking about it, he says, well, he failed a drug test, why does no one mention it? You know, and it's John Jones, people talk about him as a goat, failed the drug test. Anderson Silva, talk about him as a goat, well, he failed the drug test. So it's something that does stay with you for the rest of your career, and that's something that Will Flory is going to have to live with. Also, when it's just standalone, it's not something that you found in your chicken, you know? It's not something that fell into a bag of protein, you know? Let's be honest with it. Now, that is, you know, it's, it's, a thing that people are going to find very hard to bargain with. Like, they're going to find it very hard to, you know, respect that uh, anymore. Because, you you, you you know, you see it, and especially fighters, especially gyms. And we know Irish MMA, it's a very kind of, you know, people like to give out about each other and talk shit about each other. And if they find a stick to beat someone with, it will be bet with for a long time. And maybe it's deserved, right? If that's your opinion, that that is absolutely your opinion. And actually, like, I for for years, right, I don't, I found it very hard to have an opinion on all of this. And this one is even tougher because Will's opponent also failed as well, right? So it's one of those. It's like, you know, it's everyone's on them type of thing. And uh, with the PFL, it definitely, definitely feels like that. But look, I suppose if. The future looks like this. Will is is um, suspended for nine months until January 1st. The Dublin show is in December. So unless something happens, unless he gets an exemption or he gets you know a month off or whatever, he, he won't be fighting on that show. It doesn't look like. Uh, but I'm sure the PFL will be back again. 
the second question is will the PFL uh, keep him on because I know some of the guys they haven't so let's see if that will happen and then what's the decision Will's going to make after that if he does now you know there's always people giving out on Twitter oh no you even said a word about it you didn't talk about it. I've believe me We've spoken a lot about this over the last while, both online and offline. Um, you know, I've spoken to Will himself multiple times, um, and I, I will be speaking to him in an interview at some stage. I look, it's it's going to be up to him. There's a few things that still have to work themselves out, and uh, you know, one of us, myself, Ian, or, or someone will will speak to him uh, about it at, at some stage if he wishes to do that. Um, but it's it's a you know it's a very interesting one for Irish MMA from lots of different points because you know I'm sure people will start saying John Kavanagh has an article up on the 42.ie saying if anyone in my gym ever fails a test they're immediately going to be thrown out you know there's I had a question in last week about is there a culture of this in Irish MMA is there a culture of this in SPG those are the sort of things that people are going to throw out there even if there's absolutely no backing behind any of that or no truth to any of that, that's the sort of thing that's going to be thrown out there. So I think, it, you know, it's very important, I suppose, for uh, people to speak on it, and I, I'm sure they eventually will, but very, I suppose very important for us to, to speak on it too and, and to cover it as well. Um, so, yeah, look, this is the first time it's obviously happened for an Irish MMA fighter, um, you know, considering we don't have that many, I suppose, in the big... American organizations and not that many actually getting drug tested it's it's probably not shocking that it's taken this long if we're being honest especially the fact that we've basically only had you know Conor McGregor in the UFC for uh, a good long time now until you know we had Dean Barry for a couple of weeks and we had Ian Gary and now we've Sean Bannon and things as well but for a good while we only really had uh, Conor McGregor getting uh, tested and even he wasn't there for a while <laughs> it felt like so uh, yeah it's it's a look it's a very very uh, in, interesting subject and, uh, and the subject that I suppose everyone in Irish MMA probably thought we would uh, we would never have but look it's something that Will is going to have to deal with for the rest of his career it's something that he's going to be tired with for the rest of his career and let's let's see where he goes from here did you have any thoughts on Ian I know you mentioned it on um, on the old triangle and stuff maybe you covered it uh, covered enough there but had you any final thoughts on, on what I said there or anything yeah, basically what you said just there is what I kind of stated on the old triangle is that actions have consequences and, and that's what Will is going to have to live with for the rest of his career. And that label will be attached to his name. And, and, and maybe from our perspective in like coverage of it as well, you know, it's all relatively new to us. We've not dealt with it as media members. I mean, you've been around a lot longer than what I have in dealing with these kind of circumstances as well. So we always want to cover things fairly. And I think that we have covered this fairly with everybody involved. So, I mean, I don't think there's too much more to say. A lot of things are still up in the air. And, you know, uh, time will tell what's going to happen next or what Will has to say about it. And I'm sure we'll hear from him whenever he's ready. When we started the Severe MMA podcast... I'm not exactly, but people just go back and listen like episode one through 10. I think it was around the time that like Nick Diaz failed, Anderson Silva failed, John Jones failed, everyone. That was like out of the first 10 podcasts, about eight of them were completely about drug test failures. So we, uh, yeah, we have talked, uh, and you know what's weird, right? We talked a lot about it around then and you know, around the TRT era and all of that. 
But like since USADA has basically stopped failing people, we actually haven't had that much to talk about. And the discussions we have That's had the thing. are kind of the, the overall look at it. So yeah. That's the thing with, with 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 you know that the USADA coming into the UFC and we had the the a lot of people who were testing positive, but they're keeping all of that information under wraps from us as well. So I mean it's it's hard to get a, a accustomed to or judge what fighters are maybe testing positive and what the circumstances are when the information isn't there. So, I mean, there's lots of things that go on in the background and lots of reasonings and stuff like that. But ideally, you don't want this happening, number one. You know, you can't break the rules. And you, more than you, you don't want an Irish athlete to, to be in this mess either. So, look, at it is what it is. We'll deal with it and we'll move on and, and we'll see what happens. There's The story is is there to be told and it'll be told uh, in its entirety whenever it's ready to be told, I guess. Yeah, and on, on the point of the UFC as well, like, <laughs> how many lads did you see? Oh, well, I haven't, I haven't got a fight now for a while and 366 days later they book a fight type of thing. You know, how often is that going to be happening? And like... Or a, or a guy like TJ Dillashaw who pops and yeah. then comes in, fights one fight and then gets rewarded with a title shot. So, Straight I mean, title, there's yeah. problems at the very top of the sport as well. Yeah, and as, as you said, like, problems in all sports. So like, I, I think I was actually reading an article about, uh, like, an old article about, uh, it was, you know, funnily enough, it was actually, it was the, the John Kavanaugh article about drug test fillers and he was like... Um, you can see how well the drug test uh, testing is working because the likes of Anderson Silva and the likes of John Jones, the biggest people in our sport are failing. Like if you look at other sports, when like when are the biggest soccer players in the world failing? When are the big, you're telling me rugby players? A lot of them aren't on a winner. The biggest rugby player now. There's a lot of this stuff as well happening in rugby. Oh, well, he was out for three months. Oh, he was out for six months. Type of thing. You know, at least we are a little bit more transparent. If uh, USADA could be as transparent as it once was. I think it'd be absolutely great. But I, I feel, and the whole, to, to, to kind of pull these points together, like the, the opening point I was making was a lot of people have lost faith in the drugs testing and a lot of people don't care about it anymore. And I, I am one of them, I'll be honest. And we've said that a couple of weeks ago, myself and Graham, but like a major reason for that is that the lack of transparency from USADA, I think has really made people question all of this. Like, is it worth it? The fact that, um, the fighters are being put through the ringer all the time and then you know you could have fought someone and you didn't even know like you know you didn't even know they'd failed the test or whatever it like i i don't think that's very fair and i i don't know this is supposed to lead to a more fair sport and does it i think that's a question over all of this so yeah look there's a wider debate there maybe that's one for a for a speaker's corner down the line right let's talk about uh let's talk about the ufc um do you know what? I, 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 I was watching the hurling and I was doing a bit of a barbecue and I didn't see all of this UFC, but we have uh, the balance breakdown coming on. We also have Ian here uh, to, to tell us about some of it. But from, I, I saw uh, Dean, the kind of the, the, uh, uh, the prelim card and the main card. But you know what? It wasn't bad. I, I pretty much, I, I pretty well enjoyed it. Maybe because I only watched like seven fights. So I enjoyed it. And not like how many was there? 13. That probably is a big part of it as well. But let's talk about the main event uh, because Aliyah Tapuria just put on an absolute clinic from pillar to post uh, and I love that phrase from pillar to post obviously like a horse racing term and he was like do you know he was like he was like uh, a, a one mile flat horse who won the Grand National by 30 lengths that's what he was like here like he was just fast out of the blocks kept going and fucking destroyed him so much so 
he got a 10-7 in the in the fourth round from uh, from Chris Lee, which wasn't beyond the realms of possibility. You know, I thought it was a 10-8, and the other two judges did give it a 10-8. But one judge, Eric Cologne, actually did give the first round 10-9 to Emmett, but every other round uh, was Taboria. The first round relatively close. I thought Emmett did land some good stuff, but I thought Taboria won it. Don't think that was the best decision in the world, although I think Eric Cologne's probably in my top five best judges in the world I think I think he's fantastic but look every other round there, there was no doubt about it in this one my thoughts in the end before I throw it over to you were that Taporia was just on a different level here and sometimes you see this happening right and I, I was looking at one stage where Taporia had uh, Emmett I, I don't know was it on the back mount or he had him on the ground anyway and he was just whaling shots into him like just being in my chats and I looked I looked down to see the time or something and I saw number five alongside Emmett's name and I'm like, this guy is destroying the number five featherweight in the world. This isn't a heavyweight or, you know, uh, women's featherweight or, you know, middleweight or anything like that. This is a real brilliant division in the world. Josh Emmett's deservedly number five. Maybe, you know, maybe we could see him down one or two, but he's deservedly top seven or eight fighter in the world. And Aliyah Tapuria, 14 fights into his career, is making him look like he's fighting a white belt in his first day coming into the gym. Like, now it wasn't it wasn't that way throughout the whole fight. Emmett did well, did you know, did his best, and he landed some shots, and he he made it tough on him. But Tapuria was just next level. He was just absolutely next level. And do you know what? It was a joy to have Dominic Cruz commentating on this because there's very few fights these days Dominic Cruz actually commentates well on. But this was one of them because you had a really good striker who's really, really, really talented. And Cruz could just talk about how talented he was, like his defensive ability, his ability to move the head, his ability to change levels with the striking throughout it. Because I remember I remember halfway through round one, I was thinking about the last bit of analysis that I did on Josh Emmett. And I remember my analysis on him was, he will throw every time there's an exchange uh, well obviously he's have to throw every time there's an exchange but he'll throw every time anyone fakes there's no fakes with him he doesn't fake if you fake he'll throw he doesn't fake he'll throw he throws 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 and uh Elliot Borea dealt with that so easily he just dealt with it so easily and he kind of blended his game around Emmett's game so that whenever Emmett did anything, he was there to counter it and just take him apart. It was it was an absolute beautiful destruction. Like this, this is what I got into MMA to watch. This is what I can like the skill, the the beauty of it, the absolute technique, the wizardry to see a guy like this actually rise to that level. Honestly, I was watching this and I I was thinking to myself, this is. And I tweeted out, I hope people realize what they're watching here. And that's what they were watching. They were watching a great fighter take his first step to greatness. Like, make no mistake about it. This guy can beat Alexander Volkanovsky. This guy can beat Max Holloway. This guy can beat the best in the world. Now, it isn't that easy to go in and do it, but can he do it? I think he can. I think he's that fucking good. Absolutely brilliant. What do you think of me? He rubber stamped himself as an elite level competitor in the featherweight division. And it, it wasn't really to my surprise or to your, your surprise because we had seen him um, coming up the rankings and performing well. Obviously, a fantastic fight against Bryce Mitchell in his last fight. But 
you know, he needed the opponents in front of him to kind of confirm that status. And he got that with Josh Emmett tonight. And one of the reasons why Dominic Cruz was loving kind of breaking down and analysing it, because I bet you he's seen a lot of the kind of his own style in Ilya Tapuria. And that was great footwork and brilliant distance control. And that's two things that you really need to have going in there against a guy like Josh Emmett, who can put your lights out if he lands one clean strike. Little things that he did in the fight was, you know, I was wary and I was wondering what he was going to do in the early stages. Would he, would he, he insert himself into the pocket and exchange with Josh Emmett? But he didn't do it directly. He kind of got a couple of his reads in the first two minutes, but then... After that, he kind of inserted himself into the pocket. He got his range and his footwork and his timing down to a T and was just landing beautiful counter shots, landing the jab, introduced leg kicks, just kept mixing it up, mixing it up. And he stayed doing that throughout the fight and throughout the fight. And it was a relatively competitive first round, relatively competitive second round. And then he got hurt at the, Josh Emmett got hurt at the end of the second round. And that's when just, screw really started to turn in Ilya Tapuria's performance where we've seen, you know, later on in the fight, uh, excellent timing for takedowns and acknowledgement that, you know, Emmett's toughness was keeping him in the fight. His durability was keeping him in the fight. I know that you've spoken a lot about durability, Sean. And unfortunately, you know, Josh Emmett, you know, given based off his performances and, and the damage and the injuries, his body maybe has started to let him down, but that durability is still there. He's ticked off that box tonight. Maybe we can get into it a little bit more, but it's exciting to see this, you know, and, and you're still there with your heart in your mouth when he's inserting, uh, when Iliad Tapur is inserting himself in the pocket and exchanging with a guy that could put him out and you're there. Oh my God, is all this hard work going to go to waste because he absolutely butchered Josh Emmett and, you know, to see the pot of gold under the rainbow as uh, that Chris Lee gave us in a 10-7, I mean, can't be argued too much. It was just uh, the scoring and the 10-7 and, you know, everything just accumulated into the terrific performance and the confirmation that Ilya Tapuria is here and he's here to say he's 26 years of age and this guy is the future of mixed martial arts one of the best prospects and one of the best fighters in the world of mixed martial arts right now this is a new age mixed martial arts fighter and we better get used to seeing him around for for like i said a long long time really exciting 100 percent, absolutely just utterly phenomenal like and i i think the fact that emmett kind of cutted us into thinking throughout the fight that he could land that one big shot. It was it was never going to happen. Like, like Deboria was just too good defensively. And I actually, I'm going to go and watch it back, right? But the first 40 seconds maybe of round five, right? Uh, John Annick kind of shouts at one and that's the best shot he's landed in the whole fight. I'm going to go back and watch that in slow motion. Because I, and I, I, would, st- I would stake money on this, that... Emmett didn't hit the Poria once. He was getting out of the way of every single one of those shots. If you want to watch a defensive masterclass of just head movement, of footwork, watch Taporia as the pressure comes on at the start of the fifth round. He just like danced around him and dodged him. It was it was a thing of beauty. Like it was nearly as good as the shots he was landing. It was Epic. It was unreal, Sean. And to be defensively sound, you don't need to make anybody swing and miss wildly. You can just get out of the way of shots by by 
inches, sometimes even millimeters. Whereas that, you know, you're just moving your head in the right direction. You're riding the shot. You're turning in the direction of the shot. Um, and we've seen that loads tonight where, you know, in instance, instances where, you know, I watched the fight with Harry, he had said, oh, I think um, it landed there. And I was like, God, I'm not too sure he did because it was such minimal margins. And that just proves you know, the level of distance control that Ilya Teporia has and the confidence that he has. Like, he even went to, to the Philly shell in certain stages of the fight tonight. and Long like, stages, though. He was doing it early. Uh, like, unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. Like, to be that attack-minded, but also to be that defensively sound with that level of fight IQ, not to put yourself into extreme levels of danger against a big hitter like Josh Emmett. I mean, at 26 years of age, man, how could yeah. you not be excited? Like, this is why yes. we love mixed martial arts. Yeah, and I think there was one stage as well, the commentary team were saying, oh, he's fighting a very boxing-oriented game plan. As you said, like the Philly Shell and all of that. But it was like, I, 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 I thought this was a big mistake by him. They're like, he fought that way because he's fighting Josh Emmett. Like, Josh Emmett fights in a boxing sense all the time. Right, I'm sure he had planned for if Josh Emmett did go for the odd takedown, but Emmett doesn't go for the odd takedown anymore. He was fighting against Emmett, but what did he do after that? He started adding in leg kicks all the time and smashing him with leg kicks. And I actually don't think he got enough credit for those leg kicks either in, in the, the talking about the whole fight. He, like It was a phenomenal performance. I love performances like that where you're destroying a guy in one way and then you add new ways to destroy a guy. Like he added the leg kicks. He started kicking to the yeah. body the other time. The takedowns. He, I thought he was going to submit him even at one stage. It was like it was getting better and better. And then, you, as I said, in the fifth round, he was never going to knock him out. Like he was just never going to knock him out. He was absolutely exceptional. But I, I, I just, I, I think it's almost where we leave it when we talk about Taboria there. Because I think we're going. I think we've already done a contender on Taboria, but I think we're going to need to do another one because, like, we have to start looking at him. And I've said this already, like before this fight, him versus Max Holloway, him versus uh, him versus Volkanovski. Uh, <laughs> I think Paddy Pimblett's probably going to have to, like, forget about this one maybe for a while because if he goes up to 155, I'm telling you, Scousers will be getting knocked out if he goes up to 155 and not just out of the European Cup. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just uh, an absolute brilliant performance. On the 10-7. Because I, 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 with the intro, I was like, we had a somewhat controversial card in the main event, but a good type of controversy. Very interesting. The two of us were on, and maybe this is a good time to talk about the uh, the call as well, although we've done a full podcast on Patreon about that myself and uh, and Scott Fontana. We were on the uh, California State Athletic Commission call during the week, and a discussion came up. Did I start it? Maybe I did. About the 10-8s and the 10-7s. And uh, a couple of the, you know, the biggest judges in the world were on there, and they spoke about your 10-8s and what a 10-7 should be and you know one of them explained if there's overwhelming near fight ending damage that's when you give a 10-7 and I think there was what 162 judges there including I think all of the judges if it definitely two of them anyway I'm not sure who's the third judge yeah all of them in fact I think we're on the uh we're on the call and then we got a 10-7 out of it so that's interesting you know people talk about judges aren't held accountable and they don't train and they don't talk about all these things well there was a lot of people not on that call who say that sort of thing and are bullshit artists so it was I just thought it was fun to see that in practice tonight after hearing people talk about it on what night was it Tuesday night Tuesday night yeah it, 
I, I thought it was a borderline 10 7 10 8 I thought there was another one actually in the PFL uh, that the fight escapes my mind now but I gave it a 10 8 I thought it was a 10 8 but I'm I'm not arguing about the 10 7 what, what did you think of that round and the, the scoring of 10 7 by Chris Lee I think if there's opportunities there to award a 10-7, we should be doing it. Although them being rare occasions, like I can only express how I was feeling through that end sequence in round four. And that was when Ilya Tapuria was in like kind of full mountain in top control and, and landing a barrage of strikes on Josh Emmett. I was like actively saying, okay, the ref could come in here. The ref needs to stop this. And I might've been saying that for 30 or 40 seconds, maybe even a minute. And I wouldn't have argued the ref coming in and stopping that fight. And I think when you're at that level of mentality and you have that level of opinion, you know, we, we were, even if we, if Tapori had landed half of that damage, it would have probably been an easy 10, eight round. But the fact that he landed that damage came so close to getting the fight finished. The referee was taking a close look. Yeah, we're teetering on the edge and, and I'm all here for it. I mean, that, uh, if you want to take full responsibility for, for this 10-7 this weekend, I'd be willing to accept that I was on that I was on that call with you. It was a great conversation. And those kind of conversations are very important for, for me, number one, to understand what judges are looking at. Uh, for number two, to, to kind of hear what problems they face when watching a live fight. And that's, you know, the position and um, where they are to where they're at and other extra uh, curricular activities happen around, around them, like, uh, like crowd shouting and everything like that. It's such a tough job. I'm happy to see a 10, seven tonight. I couldn't argue against that whatsoever. And you know what? It was really refreshing to have watched the UFC event without this barrage of complaints about judging because it's been getting really tiresome lately and you know it kind of takes the fun out of it a little bit close fights are not robberies but luckily this one was not a close fight this was a a relatively straightforward scoring fight but it's good that Chris Lee gave that 10-7 I'm all for that yeah very good and to like to hear him speak last Tuesday as well I think anyone who probably complained about him and then listened to the way he spoke in a really intelligent manner would find it very hard to think, oh, hold on, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about after the way he's spoken that. So I think, you know, that was, it, it was so great that I just, that call, just again to, to mention it again, because like, I think the amount you can learn from things like that with little, just little tidbits or little, little explanations from the judge. And you know, we people have been saying all the time, we want these judges to explain how they score these rounds. That's exactly what happened on the call, you know? And it was just so, I, the one big thing for me was so frustrating that there weren't more people on it. That it's open to everyone, like, and they can see it. But anyway, but... um, you So know, maybe explain to people that might know what, what goes on is that what, everyone will get together and the judges and referees yeah. and a couple of lucky media members. We watch close rounds back. Everybody scores the round. And then we actually hear from some of the judges that actually scored around in a particular manner, why they've done that. And I mean, I can speak personally. I just feel lucky to be a part of those calls because they're extremely educational. I'm lucky that I've had you over the last couple of years that I can pick your brain um, after doing all the work that you do. But like to hear from actual judges for me, and I've said this to you, to hear, I have I scored for, say, Albazi round one in the Kaikara France fight, right? I scored that. But to hear a judge explain some of his reasoning without even talking to him myself, to, and for me to have that same reasoning gives me a level of confidence that I'm looking at the right thing as well, which is very important when I'm trying to express my opinion on scoring or fights. And I have a very humble opinion on judging because I'm no expert. I'm still learning. But those kind of meetings and those conversations 
podcasts are hugely beneficial to me in kind of getting more equipped to learn about how to score a fight. Yeah, 100%. And like, the reason I have some sort of, um, what, what should I say, confidence in my opinion about judging is because that exactly what you described there a minute ago is what I've been doing for the last like three years every week <laughs> so like i feel like i put in the work to have a bit of an opinion you can like the opinion or not but like that that's it and like uh, i i was uh i was very um i was very honored to be asked to speak on the call at the weekend which i was not expecting at all but to have the respect of someone like uh like andy foster and some of the other judges on it as well was absolutely fantastic so um yeah you know people can talk shit all they want but when i hear someone like andy foster saying like you're one of the leading voices in the world on these things and stuff like that you know I, I, uh, it gives me enthusiasm to keep going. And when I look at the numbers of people listening to this podcast has gone up literally tenfold in the last few months. So it gives me great fucking hope that people actually do want to hear this sort of thing. So I will continue to do it and everyone else can go and fuck themselves. Ye shower of cunts. Let's move on. Macy Barber and Amanda Heal. We're not going to go through this whole card because obviously yourself and Harry will be doing it on the breakdown. But I, one thing, Ian, myself and you have this battle of uh, doing the awards. So every time there's a knockout and stuff, we did it last. What was it? The Sadabusi knockout. So we were <laughs> yeah, in our yeah. Google document fighting over who be the first one. We, we've only not one, but now two fight of the year candidates. There's been very few fight of the year candidates. And I've put in Barber versus Hebas. Now, should that be a fight of the year candidate? What's your opinion? I thought it was fucking brilliant. I really enjoyed this fight. What do you think? I really enjoyed it because the fight of the year, like it's the fight itself, but it's the circumstances surrounding here. And what we had with, with uh, Macy Barber and Amanda Hebas here was two prospects in the 125 pound division that have been catapulted up the division before and have failed. You know, they've met some some top-level competition and they've won. That happens. It's, uh, you know, their prospects. Macy Barber only 25 as well. Amanda Hebas a little bit older at 29. But... You know, both fighters kind of came in with the same career trajectory to date into this fight. Both were positioned at number nine and number 11, respectively. And, you know, this was the fight that was going to prove who was going to get the next chance to push again up to the top level of the division. And I think it was a very evenly matched fight on paper. And, it, you know, I I really broke it down and defined it as the that Macy Barber was going to have the strength advantage coming in here to be able to dictate where the fight was going to go and I think that was pretty true based off yeah. what I seen you know just a little um, bit of a better athlete wasn't she like I think that, that a little bit of a better athlete like showing a lot of have, like just really does. yeah I think like having having the ability to dictate where the fight plays out John is such an important thing that you can do you know you're not going to have it every single fight so you're going to have to work around it but Macy Barber did have it in this fight she knew she was going to have it coming in too but you can't be too sure until you get in there and you you know you clinch up for the first time but her work in the clinch opened up cuts on Amanda Hebas and you know what I actually thought Amanda Hebas performed much better than I thought yeah. she was going to do. And she caused she caused Macy Barber quite a few problems as well. Cut, busted up the nose of Macy Barber, got off a couple of shots, almost had her in the knee bar, created some good scrambles. And, you know, the fact that Amanda Hebas showed up made this, you know, a potential fight of the year candidate. Will it win? Probably not. Like, I think maybe why we're not so forthcoming and picking the fight of the year is because we've probably seen it back in, in January. Or Harry, you definitely that fight. said we did anyway. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, 100% in Alex Volkanovsky and Islam Hatchev. But this was a great fight that really, you know, had potential to deliver on paper, but delivered on the night as well. And, you know, Macy Barber came over a good test tonight. She, she'd been there been critics over some of the decisions that she was rewarded and I think that she really came over that hurdle by pushing for the finish and getting that finish in round two tonight against Amanda Hebas and look at that 25 years of age she has a lot of work to do I'd like to see her slow built into the division because remember this is her second crack at the top I feel that her mentality is another kind of thing that has changed in recent fights because she went in there wanting to become the youngest champion and and you know in some of her interviews came across with the opinion that you know she was the next big thing and it didn't materialize that way and when you're talking a big game and not delivering you know it, it, it hits you nearly double standard to be honest but this is a this is a very promising performance from AC Barber yeah like I said she she'll 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 build into this division and I hope the UFC build her into this division correctly yeah, that can be a problem, isn't it, when they when they push him too fast? But look, hopefully, as you said, she's back on online now. Uh, the heavyweight fight then, and I bought after twenty nine seconds. Dan Mergliata was like mad to get this fight restarted. Now I understand him giving him a bit of time, but when you when blood starts coming from your eye, yeah. when a lad immediately says, "I can't see." When the doctor, like, talking into his hand for the whole day, what, this is a bizarre situation. Look, we don't need to go into it too much. It was eventually, look, this was going to be stopped and be a no contest from the second that I started bleeding about 10 seconds after they stopped it for the eye bug. It's like, okay, can you see? Hold on, let me look at your eye. It started bleeding. It's like, no, that's fucking it. Like, it's just, it's not going to work after that. Like, there's just no way. Um, it was a really bad one because it was like in the middle of like an exchange, and like I, every time one of these happens, I'm like, poor old Dean Barry. Like the one time ever that someone gets DQ'd for one of these, it's poor old Dean Barry. I feel yeah. I I feel so sorry for that lad. No one ever, no one else ever. That remember Francisco Rivera against Uriah Faber. I remember myself and Graham talking about it. it was the clearest intentional eye bug of all time nah no contest uh, of course as our I don't know what happened but yeah this is one of them anyway the rest of the card then uh, Jesus David Onama looked really good with his uppercut win Brendan Allen looked very good at 185 pounds Neil Magny and Philip Roy I think Neil Magny can find himself lucky to get out of that one with a win um yeah, not the best performance. That was like the, the that was like the Spider Man meme when they're both pointing at each other because uh, they look so maybe, similar maybe in there. Win. I was like, who, who is who there? I had to look at the color of the shorts. Yeah. It was like the same hairstyle, same kind of body shape as well. It was crazy to look at. But Neil Magny doing Neil Magny stuff always finds a way to get that win, and he has a an ability to draw fighters in to fight a style of fight that he wants to fight, which is. Not that easy to do. That comes with a lot of experience, and he's done that for many years, and he did it again tonight. Called out Ian Gary yeah, after the, the fact. That, too, that little Irish guy, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Because I think Neil Magny is kind of a fight that happens before a Jeff Neal fight for me. Yeah. And I feel if Ian Gary goes out and beats Jeff Neal, I don't think that Neil Magny is the next best, best step for him. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that 
kind of disregarding towards that fight, but it doesn't really make sense. I'd be looking well, up that division rather than looking back down. Ian wants 97 fights before he gets to a title, so he's plenty of time <laughs> and he can fight Neil Magna if he wants there. And I won't say any different anymore because I was told not to. So there you go. Randy Brown beat Wellington Tournament fair play at him. Uh, Rebecca beat Labs above. Uh, my guy Sean Denny called that one. He got it right. Tabitha Ricci won against Jillian uh, Robertson. Joshua Van won. Fair play at him. Oh, he beat Zalagas Zalamagulov. That's a pity, isn't it? That, that lad, every time I see a picture of him, it looks photoshopped. I saw a bit of that peak Marsical fight. That looked absolutely insane. I must go back and watch that. Jack Jenkins beat Jamal Immers. And then another lad won against another lad in the opening bout of the card. One of the worst fights I've ever seen in the UFC. Which one was that? The first one? Dimakis? First Dimak- one. Yeah, it was bad. It was really okay. bad. Just poor quality. Next week... Then we have, <laughs> speaking about poor quality, Sean Strickland against Abus Magomedov. Fair play. We, look, I leave this to the preview show, which he, one great fight though, Demiris Magulov versus Grant Dawson. That's a fucking banger of a fight. Um, Morales against Griffin's not a bad fight. Let's see what else is on this. Fuck all. Uh, Kevin Lee is on it. He's fighting uh, Rinyat Fakradinov, who's a very good fighter. Um, so, yeah, like the, the Romanov versus Ivanov fight uh, in the middle of uh, in the middle of the heavyweight division could be somewhat important. Probably not. Cage Warriors then have a card next week in Cardiff. This poor old Cage Warriors card. God almighty. So this card is basically made for Oban Elliott. You know, Oban Elliott got signed for the Contender Series and he'll be on that. And uh, is it next? No, in a, in a couple of months. Then they were bringing back Mason Jones, you know, and then Mason Jones couldn't get on it. So now they're left with... I, I'm not even sure what the main event is yet. I believe... Reese McEwen might be in the main event, and if he wins that, he could be fighting Caelan Lochran if he goes to 7-1. and one. So a big one for Irish MMA fans to be looking out in that. But match of honour against Darren Stewart as well is a pretty good middleweight fight. Plus, in a few weeks' time, the middleweight title is up for grabs, so maybe the winner of that one could be the number one contender as well. So there are a few uh, a few big fights there. Andy Clamp. I watched a bit of Andy Clamp the other day preparing for mine. I'm going to be doing a preview uh, during the week for this, obviously. Good old, good old fighter. He's fighting four and all, Gaston Abilini. So, you know, not not a not a bad Cage Warriors card coming up at all, I suppose. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about that. I don't think there's anything else major coming up in two weeks' time. We'll have uh, we'll have Franz Malambo back, so we'll talk about that then. You know, we've the big uh, UFC two ninety as well coming up. Here, what you think of this? What you think of the Rose Namajunas? Who's she fighting against? She's fighting up at one twenty five against Man Manon Firo. I don't like that. And I just, like, has Rose Namajunas not beaten Zhang Weili twice? Or am I gone mad? She has beaten her once, I believe. I'll um, find this out now. But, like, if you win over the champion at your weight class, like, you, I don't think you're, I don't think you're struggling to make the weight or anything like that. I don't know. I just find it's a real bizarre, and, like, if you were going up for the big she has beaten her twice, I'm just looking at here. If you're going up for the big fight against Shevchenko, I can understand it. Like, but you're not. You know, you're you're you've lost once to Carol Espars, like which wow, well, that was kind of it was a lot everyone lost that. I just I don't understand this. I really, really, really don't understand it. It's been over a year since she fought. Maybe we'll get an explanation, but the fight it should be a good fight, but not a The fight. only explanation I can kind of find is maybe she's just tired of cutting down to 115 and doesn't want to do it anymore 
But uh, yeah, like, massive, you have, like didn't she? I think she did. She yeah. have a fight at one hundred five before. I think she did. Oh, she would have. I'd say at some stage, yeah. Like, and she's not. Yeah, I can't imagine it's a big cover. I don't know. I'm just speculating here because it is. It is strange. She's, you know, she's inserted herself there. If she gets a win over Man and Firo, she's right there in the mix at one twenty five, and you know that division is wide open now, full of contenders. One one of the most talent rich in the UFC right now, definitely of the women's, to be honest, overall, I think 125 is has the most talent in it right now. So it'll be interesting to see how she fits in there. But yeah, strange one. I wasn't expecting it. I totally forgot that it was at 125. It was only Harry that said it to me. Like I just seen Rose Namajunas and just took it for granted that it was at 115. And yeah, be interesting to see how she goes in. Good stylistic matchup for her, you know, uh, Manon is a good, powerful striker, but you know Rose. You know when she's on song, she's a pretty stylish, stylish striker as indeed, well. Indeed, I said I'm going to bring back a few questions, and look here we go. We've we've two or three minutes here. Let's answer a couple of questions from hatred, hatred over on Twitter. Is Sergio Ramos more famous than Mike Tyson? I I don't think so. Sergio, like I, I put out a, a troll tweet for all the American friends last night saying is uh, Sergio Ramos the most famous person, sports person to ever be at a UFC fight night knowing that someone would like send the Tom Brady picture or whatever like there's no doubt about it that Sergio Ramos is more famous than Tom Brady is there like that's just a given like I'd say yeah. so. I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so. Now Mike like, Tyson, I mean, yeah. like Mike Tyson was a champion. No, Mike Tyson is 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 world renowned. Like I mean, he like with Ramos. I'd seen a lot of people on Twitter tonight saying, uh, "Yeah, who's this guy?" I don't know, and I don't think anyone is going to say that about Mike Tyson because he was just such a such a well known, well renowned, and and big big personality as well. So yeah, I don't think so. Sergio Ramos, I don't know. It's hard for us because we follow soccer. So like, I think Sergio Ramos is is up there, one of the most famous soccer players. Like, I think you you kind of show him a picture to any soccer fan, and they'd probably be able to tell you who it is. But I mean, yeah, maybe not so much in North America. Indeed. Uh, right, Warren Nolan. Uh, my question is about levels. Emmett found his uh, out in the last two outings. It's different at the very top. Two questions. Will O'Malley uh, suffer a similar fate against Aljo, who's on fire? And I feel the quick turnaround suits Aljo. Momentum and activity can only benefit him. What do you say? My, I, I actually agree, Warren, on that, about the quick turnaround. Like, Aljo was giving out about the quick turnaround. But I think s- some fighters, when they're at the top of their game, are actually I'd nearly say all fighters. Maybe that's another speaker's corner throwing there. If Harry, if you're listening, I think a quick turnaround and the momentum really helps them. Like if they're not carrying a big injury or anything like that. So that's my question. I'll let you answer the first part of it. Do you think O'Malley will suffer a, a, a finding out a level when he fights Aljo? I don't know. I don't think we'll find out until he actually goes in there. I mean, like you always have to level up when you go in there. And what we found with Sean O'Malley is that. He leveled up big time in his win uh, over Peter Yan. So can he produce the same level of performance? It'll be hard to say because levels come with circumstances as well. How far along are you on your career? What style do you fight? What style does your opponent fight? And, uh, you know, I mean, he's fighting the highest level and the worst possible matchup, stylistic matchup for him in Aljo, who's likely going to want to take him down. So, I mean... We can safely say that he's 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 leveled up if he does go out there and get a win over Aljo. Indeed, I I find, uh, to actually answer the question, not avoid it, just like you did. 
Because like, we are really finding these level. Oh, we'll find out. But it's hard to know. Like, he, he either will or he won't. Like, I mean, he will. He'll find out. Yes, he will. <laughs> he either will or he won't. Like, I don't, I don't have a fucking crystal ball here. I can't look into it and see what's going to happen. But like, he's going to find out. Yeah, and it's either going to be he's going to uh, find out know. that he's a better than that level of Aljo, or he's going to be worse than the level of Aljo. But like, we won't know until we see the fight. I, I, I don't know either. But I. Sorry, you are. I do you know what I'm gonna actually Molly cuddle this question as well by saying I don't think we will find out um, because I do think Aljo is another level up so like I think like Aljo will just kind of beat him but not beat him too well if you want to put it that way so that's my opinion alright we leave it there how, how dare you criticise me then and then money <laughs> cuddle around the question again how dare you <laughs> oh my god if I, uh, Sean Sean on the fence sheen <laughs> if you <laughs> If if people liked our 10 seconds of soccer talk there, go over to Patreon. Myself, Ian and Graham did a soccer podcast. I was like, well, myself and Graham did it. <laughs> I was there I was there just watching the two lads shout at each other and yeah, it was uh, uh it was an experience. You asked for it though, like you literally asked I, for it. <laughs> I did, I did. <laughs> it was great crack. So yeah, we did a Premier League review and it was basically just me and Graham roaring at each other and just like half trolling each other but also kind of meaning it at the same time it was absolutely do you know there was talks of USC Dublin uh, breaking the sound barrier or or the the levels of of sound that Sean let a roar in the middle of that (laughs) podcast I'd say if there was one of those monitors there would have been pushing the record I I edited the sound afterwards as I always do to level things out and all but you could still hear it (laughs) even on on the fucking the leveling out so yeah if you're not signed up to our Patreon it's it's a great time to do it uh, severemed.com forward slash patreon will get us uh, there alright we will leave it there if you haven't found our friends over at manscaped please do manscaped.com use the promo code severemed for 20% off and free shipping if you haven't got lovely skin yet you can go to get that sounds weird go to calderalab.com and use the promo code severemed for 20% off and if you haven't heard about everything Irish MMA go over to iTunes or SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever you might be and find The Owl Triangle with Ian O'Neill and Ian O'Neill and his two backing singers and uh, you're uh, no, that's harsh on Andy and you, Grealish. I can't and be having that. You agreeing in the back? Ian is here giving two oh, thumbs no, up no, in the no, back. No, no. I'm coming in here, Andy. <laughs> join me and my co-host Andy yeah, Stevenson the, and Grealish the, the Barrow. I, I have to stick singers. up for the boys. You're like the John Bon Jovi. Do you remember he's called Bon Jovi the band? <laughs> Just called Bon Jovi. <laughs> the Ian O'Neill podcast. Do you know? Inter- this is way off topic. Now we're we're kind of drifting away here. But uh, do you know Silvio from uh, the Soprano? Oh yeah, he's a really good singer. What's his name again? No, um, he's in the E Street Band. Yeah, Bruce he was. Yeah. He's he, I didn't know that for quite yeah. some time, and I found that out over the last uh, month or so. Yeah. And yeah, blew, blew my mind. And actually, a really Stephen, prominent member there as well. So Steve. useless, useless fact of the day. That do you know what? And this this will blow your mind. That's not the first time that's been mentioned on the Severe May podcast. Uh, myself and Philip O'Connor talked about it once. On one like Steve, oh, what's his name? Steven. Some people probably be roaring at us now, but yeah, he uh, yeah he does a lot of singing himself now and stuff as well as well. But yeah, he's brilliant. Oh, Silvio's a great man. So Sopranos best show ever. Top top five, top two. No, 
Game of Thrones is my number one of all time anyway. Still, I think Sopranos maybe. Uh, Sopranos is up there. It's yeah. up there for sure. Yeah. You I like watched the wire, it back over the pandemic. I I I um I watched the Sopranos back over the pandemic and it was I really enjoyed it watching it back from start to finish. So yeah, I'd recommend anyone who hasn't seen it go and do that. And even if you have seen it, go do it again. Yeah. I need uh I need a show now to be honest. Uh, Patrick just started watching Ray Donovan. So maybe that Black Mirror. Did you watch Black Mirror? I watched I watched Jonah's Awful and it wasn't great. I like apparently there's oh, you only need to go back you need to go back and watch the early episodes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're class. Apparently I mean, some yeah, are American and some are English. Is that correct? And the American ones right. the English ones are good. So That's right. And you can actually go back and watch them in chrono- chronological order as well, because they're set in different time zones, some in the future, some in the past, and some oh, in the Oh, but I watched the earlier well. Black Mirrors, all right. I watched all the other seasons, like, but yeah, I've only watched good. one. Uh, I like I like that show. And uh, yeah, pretty good. I've been, I've been good. watching the Kardashians. Uh, forcefully, I have Me been. Me too. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, actually, you know, you know how it works there. I hate them like, so uh, much. I, I, it's like fucking. Oh. I was, I was looking at it there. The newest episode was out during the week, and they just spent fifteen minutes arguing over a dress, and I'm like, fucking hell, I just can't. But at the same time, Shawnee, look at the works both ways. We watch men in their underpants yeah. show slaps at but each like, other each and every week. What so. are they getting from the Kardashians? Like they're just. They're just the worst people in the world. Do you know that? Do you know that thing that went down to the Titanic and it imploded? Like that's what the Kardashians are as personalities. Like they're just vacuums. They're just odious, rotten people. Like they, I hate them with every morsel of my being. I really do. They're just rotten. Yeah. Like they're, they're like, oh my god, no one has ever experienced someone like this. And it's like your sister is doing a Vogue article that you weren't allowed to do or something. It's like. I hate you so like I really hate him a lot like I I, I don't know but I, I continue to watch him because yeah. I'm like oh I don't want to watch it's that like it, it was more him. interesting with the Kardashians when they were kind of coming up and they weren't that famous but they're all there and all well established I have a Mac I have a big respect for for Kris Jenner like who's probably the orchestrator of all of their success um, you know, she's she's created a good life for herself and for all of her family as well. So credit to her, credit to Chris Jenner. Shout out, Chris. Ah, no, you're listening. Uh, what's her name? No, what's her name? Courtney. She listens. Did you see her? She was up on uh, Twitter. Yeah, she uh, does. Yeah, uh, big Sean. Uh, big uh, Sean Abandon fan. Sean Abandon. Sean Abandon. Yeah. But uh, right, we leave it there. Uh, oh, you have an interview with Sean Abandon up actually as well, don't you? Yeah, up on the YouTube channel. Check it out there as well. And also check out the Balance Breakdown. We go deep into the UFC card, myself yes. and Harry, this Tuesday morning. And the preview show, we'll ch- okay, Tuesday morning, Balance Breakdown, Q&A, Wednesday, Thursday, we will have the Speaker's Corner, and then Friday morning, we will have the preview show but we'll also have the preview show earlier on YouTube but that's for our uh, our Patreon and audio and all of that and check out the YouTube check out the Patreon check out SevereMed.com we've drawn this out long enough from me Sean from me and at Ioneal MMA we'll see you all next week good luck God bless goodbye how can I protect you in this crazy world it's all Don't know why, don't know where, don't care less, it's all the same.